All right, Matthew, the 10th chapter. We are studying the Gospel of Matthew uh, because we want to see what Jesus taught. Jesus said, go into all the world, preach the Gospel to everyone, telling them to obey and observe everything I told you to observe and obey. Sadly, most people have no idea what he said to observe and obey. That's why we're doing this. We have pretty much dumbed down Christianity in America to the idea that everybody thinks the Gospel is just believe in Jesus and say a prayer. Ha, ha, and everything's fine. That's certainly the opening step, but that is not the whole deal. The gospel is what we're studying together. There's lots of things God says, lots of things Jesus taught that he expects us to rise to and comply with. So now, chapter 10, he gets together with his uh, apostles. And he says, okay guys, now, they've been watching him pray for people and do all these miracles. He says, I'm giving you the power, now you go do the same thing. And go all over the place. Because he wanted to bless many, many more people. And he gave them rules about how to go forward, how to do this. And then he starts to tell them about some of the really tough challenges they're going to have. But he, in essence, starts prophesying. He starts speaking of future things to come. I'm sure they're not aware of this. If I'm them, I'm freaking out listening to this story for this trip. But uh, the truth is, almost everything he says here doesn't happen to them on this trip. Some of this happens decades later. Uh, some of it never happens to them. And he's actually talking to other Christians who someday would suffer greatly for their faith. We all know, historically speaking, that the early Christians suffered extreme hardship uh, because of their faith. Christians, at one point, uh, they were so evil spoken of, uh, they said all sorts of nasty things. You know, it's, it's like listening to these political campaigns. Apparently, everyone's Satan. You know, everybody's so evil. They say all these terrible things. They found the weirdest, most obscure things. But they used to do this to Christians because they heard about communion and they were convinced. The rumor was Christians were cannibals because we would get together, we would eat people because we would have the body and blood of Christ. Of course, nobody knows who Christ is. Poor, poor Christ, they ate him. You know, I mean, so the word got out. No, seriously. They thought we were cannibals. They thought we were all, we were parasites. And they hated Christians. And they persecuted them horribly. Would throw them to the lions in the Colosseum. Nero was the worst one. He would take people, dip them in wax. You can imagine how lovely that was. Hang them in his garden and light them for human candles. This guy was an animal. He was, they hated. And people have suffered greatly throughout the centuries and still to this day. Fortunately, we live in a country that this doesn't happen to us. But even today, can you imagine becoming a Christian in Saudi Arabia today? You know, uh, Iran, Iraq. I mean, these people, they, they suffer horribly for their faith. Ostracized, the family has nothing to do with them. They can't get jobs. Nobody will buy anything from them. They suffer terribly. And in some cases, they're killed for their faith. Uh, anyway, Jesus warns of all this. He said, basically says, look, if you follow me, people are going to hate you for following me. And he says in verse 32, he says, whoever acknowledges me before others, I will also acknowledge before my Father in heaven. But whoever disowns me before others, I will disown before my Father in heaven. Well, that's pretty clear. Now, we don't suffer like we just described, but even today, there's a lot of people, uh, they hide their faith. They don't really tell anybody they're, they're Christians because they don't want to get ostracized and, and they feel a sense of embarrassment. By the way, um, just for the record, for some of you, there is actually, the Bible says there is a shame that is associated with the cross. If you've ever been out there and you feel a sense of shame for being a Christian, that's very normal. It doesn't mean that you're evil. It just The question is, what do you do with that? 
you either hide your faith because you're ashamed or you feel that sense of shame and you embrace it and confess that you're a follower of Christ. Okay? But it's not really cool to be a Christian depending on the situation that you're in. Here, of course, it's cool because you're in church and everybody loves Jesus. But you get out there in the world, there's a lot of environments where they will very much ostracize you and be against you. And Jesus basically says, look, if you will publicly acknowledge me, I will publicly acknowledge you. But if you disown me, and some people disown Jesus just by their silence alone, uh, that's not a good place for you to be because he will disown you someday on Judgment Day. And uh, not a good thing. Okay? Uh, And then he says this very shocking thing. He says, do not suppose I've come to bring peace to the earth. What? What about the whole Christmas thing? What about... Peace on earth, goodwill to men, angels singing and all that kind of stuff. Apparently, it's not the kind of peace we were thinking of. But because he straightens us out, he says, hey, hey, don't think I came to bring peace. I didn't come to bring peace. I came to bring a sword. No, not literally, but the kind of sword that causes separation and anxiety. And he goes this, he says, I have come. Why did Jesus come? (laughs) That's what he says. I've come to turn a man against his father. A daughter against her mother. A daughter-in-law against her mother-in-law. Not very hard there. <laughs> Some things in life come easy. You know what I'm saying? But... And he says, a man's enemies will be the members of his own household. And again, while we aren't tortured for our faith in this country, it doesn't take long. A lot of you, just the fact that you become Christians, your family thinks you're crazy. Some of you, your family thinks you're nuts for being coming to this church, you know. Some will think we're a cult, you know, like we sacrifice goats or something and chant, you know, who knows what they think we're doing. Uh, but they ostracize you and they give you a hard time and often they'll separate themselves from you and, and that's normal for the Christian experience. Uh, again, Jesus really tried to stress to us, look, generally speaking, there's a lot of people who will hate you for being identified with me. They will not like you. They will speak very much evil about you. Uh, And then he says this. He says, anyone who loves their father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. And then he ratchets it up even more. He says, anyone who loves their son or daughter and their is virtually, you'd have to really struggle to find any form of human love that exceeds this. Anyone who's ever had a child knows the intense bond that is. He says, anyone who loves their son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Some pretty strong words. And love, but I love them. It's a one, but... Let's talk. never exceeds God. Human love can never replace God's standard in our lives. 
You say, why are you saying that, Pastor? Because we live in a world today that has lost its ever-loving mind. Especially when it comes to the area of immorality. This has poisoned our culture, which is our secular culture. Most people in America today are secularists. They're not really committed Christians. Uh, And that's understandable, but it even poisons people in the church. I know, because I know some of you. And I know what goes on in the church. We don't hate anybody But some of y'all are not thinking clearly. If you are having sex with someone that you're not married to, your boyfriend, your girlfriend, we're living together. What you're doing is wrong. But I know what you say. I know it's wrong. But we love each other. As if that is higher than God's standard. It is not higher than God's standard. You may love each other deeply. You may experience a degree of love that mankind has never seen before. Romeo and Juliet might be mere amateurs to the love that you share. It's still wrong. Escúcheme. Listen to me. Human love does not replace God's standard. Some people are having affairs. You're married and having sex with someone else or you're having sex with somebody else's husband or wife. You'll say, well, Pastor, I know it's wrong, but but we love each other. We, We didn't mean for it to happen. We fell in love. First of all, you don't fall in love. You fall in the toilet, but you don't fall in love. These are intentional things that you do. We know, but we love each other, so it makes it right. No, it doesn't. It's wrong. You are an adulterer. Your very soul is in grave danger. I don't care how much you love each other. This brings us to the big argument of the day. All the debate over gay marriage in our culture. And the reasoning is, well, as long as two people love each other, that it's okay. No, it's not. And they may love each other more than any man or woman has ever loved each other since the beginning of time itself. It's still wrong. Because human love never replaces God's standard. And let's go a little bit further. Some of you allow things in your life that are very inappropriate and excuse it in the context of love. And I'm speaking specifically of so many of the women in our churches... I know in Green Bay, I've also heard in Stevens Point. Appleton, I haven't heard anything bad from you guys. Maybe you've snuck and gotten away with it. I don't know. But so many women, Christian women, women in our church who are reading this book called The Fifty Shades of Grey, which is blatant immorality. It's as pornography is what it is. It's disgusting. And you're all reading it 
And when we challenge you, you say, oh, yeah, but it's a love story. Pastor, it's a love story. It's porn. Stop it. I don't care if it's a love story. Human love never replaces God's standard. You can take dog poo and put a hat on it and spray it with perfume and paint it pretty colors. It's still dog poo! Honestly, you guys, you're living in some... I could go on and on with examples of this. You have got to stop it. Here I'm trying like crazy to get the men in your lives to quit looking at porn. And then you girls are doing the same thing. Just because there's no pictures, don't think it's not porn. Just because there's no pictures, you know, because there's nice words and there's a love story behind it. It's okay. It's the same thing. Stop it. He who has an ear to hear, let him hear. Unless God turns his light on in your head, there's nothing I can do about it. But don't say, I didn't warn you. He goes on after saying, human love does not surplant me, even the great love of a mother and a child. He says, whoever does not take up their cross and follow me is not worthy of me. Now that sounds lovely today because we love crosses and crosses are very beautiful and we all wear pretty crosses around your neck with diamonds and shiny things and we have kind of crossy things on our shirts and we all look cool with the crossy things. But you have to remember, this is during the Roman Empire. The cross was a tool of brutality. It was an instrument of death. It would be like if Jesus was here today saying, if you want to follow me, you have to pick up your electric chair and follow me. Or you have to grab your hangsman's noose and come along with me. That's not encouraging. <laughs> but if you're following someone who says, by the way, bring something to kill yourself with, that's a bad sign. Alright? And when they heard this, it's like, what are you talking about? You have to understand something. It took a while before people got the picture of what Jesus was talking about. When he first started out, they followed him by the multitudes, the Bible says. He's cool. He's healing people. He's raising the dead. He's doing stuff we have never seen. He's talking about this stuff we don't quite really hear him. But, you know, if we're hungry, he makes sandwiches for everybody. This is awesome. But the Bible tells us at some point, they start hearing what he says. And they said, this is too hard. What you're asking is too hard. That's too hard. And the Bible says they turned away from him. The multitudes turned away from him. You have to remember, at some point they are chanting, Crucify him! Crucify him! And cheering as they do it. Jesus' words of discipleship are extremely tough. And he knew it. And when everybody started turning around from him, he didn't go, oh, oh, sorry, I didn't mean that. Oh, 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 oh please don't leave. I, 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 you maybe got the wrong impression. He turned to his disciples and said, you guys leaving too? They said, no. Where else are we going to go? We left everything to follow you. Only you have the words of eternal life. 
They stayed with him. A remnant stayed with him. But the people, hearing these words, wow. See, we hide the cost of following Christ. We talk, gee, just follow Jesus, everything will be peachy and lovely in your life. You won't have any problems and just pray this prayer, you'll go to heaven and nothing will go wrong. That's all you got to do and sing these cool songs in church. No, 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 no. If you are not willing to lay down everything and let go of everything to follow him, you are not worthy to be called his disciples. He goes on as if this wasn't bad enough. After saying, grab your instrument of death, his next words are, whoever finds their life will lose it. And whoever loses their life, for my sake, will find it. You want to hang on to your life, you're going to lose it. If you lose it for me, you will find it. Check it out. Either way, you lose your life. That's the common here. There, there's People who hang on to what they want and fighting God in their life, you, you don't get to keep it. So I'm not going to quit having sex with my boyfriend. I don't care. He's like, okay, but you're going to give it up eventually. Everybody, nobody keeps what they're hanging on to. You can either hang on to what you want, say, I'd rather have this than God, and someday lose everything and for eternity. Or you can willfully let it go and let God and then he will bless you with life. But either way, you cannot hang on to it. As I said last Sunday, there's never been a hearse with a U-Haul behind it. You can't take it with you. All the stuff that some of you are fighting so hard in your life and God is dealing with you about letting go. It might be your money. It might be the people you're... so. I mean, who knows what different people struggle with. And you fight it, you fight it, you fight it. As if you can hang on it. You can't. Let it go. Just let it go and let God. And start experiencing true life in you. Bottom line, the cost of following Jesus is rather stark. In short, he requires total surrender. And you have to ask yourself, am I willing to give up anything and everything to follow Jesus? The answer needs to be yes. If it costs you your very life, the answer needs... And by the way, you make that decision now. Will I admit I'm a Christian in front of everybody, even if it's embarrassing? You don't wait till that happens. You make that decision now. What if someone someday puts a gun to your head and says, quit following Jesus or I'll blow your brains out? You don't wait till that happens to make that decision. You make that decision today. The answer is blow my brains out. You make that decision now. I am going to follow Christ no matter what it costs me, no matter who it associates me with or who it separates me from. This is the cost of following him. Sadly, today, we have millions of people who claim to be followers of Jesus as long as it's on their terms. I'll follow Jesus as long as I get to do it my way. I'll be a believer as long as I can do, say, act, any way I want. I don't care what the Bible says because I'm much smarter than the people in the Bible or I have human love that exceeds all the stuff in the Bible. Sadly, these people are delusional and are headed for a great shock. And let me say this, as we got, what in the world is that? Looks like a cockroach. Be free! have the attention span of a fly. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Big old bug. I can't think anymore if there's a bug right here. 
after all this talk about sacrifice and all this, and again, the good news really for the vast majority of us is most of us are not going to face hardly anything like this. But even if we did, we need to make that decision now. And Jesus said, don't be afraid of what they can do to your body. It's kind of encouraging. He says, basically, don't be afraid of death. Apparently, it's not as awful as we think it is. And I think it sounds pretty awful. He says, don't worry about what happens to this. It's not that big of a deal. We all have to die. Be more concerned about what happens after death. That you should be concerned about. And in the light of looking at people who have suffered many, many great things for their faith, even to this day, certainly throughout the centuries, what people have endured. And quite frankly, it's stunning what human beings can endure. Talk to any Vietnam vet who was tortured in Saigon. Ask them, how much can you take? It's amazing what we are capable of taking. I say that to say this. It is stunning and disturbing to me how many people today say the phrase, I can't take it anymore. I speak of this specifically because I had this experience about a week ago. Something was really making me frustrated. And this thought came into my head. I just can't take it anymore. And it freaked me out. I went, oh my goodness gracious. I'm getting crazy like everybody else. (laughs) You cannot go there. Make a decision today. If nothing else. If you don't make a decision about anything else today. Today. In this church. As you're listening to me. Wherever you're at. You make the decision. I will never ever allow the words to come out of my mouth that say I can't take it anymore seriously people have suffered great things and I can't take my mother-in-law anymore I just can't take it anymore really this is your great suffering in life I can't take those people they're so mean to me really Some of you walk out on your marriages for no other reason than you get to the point where you say, I can't take it anymore. I'm a story. Seriously? Well, yeah, it's just too hard. Honestly, in the light of all this, this is your standard. You get so frustrated, I just can't take it anymore. We have to stop this. I'm telling you. We're so blessed in the United States of America, but we have turned into self-centered, narcissistic snots. Where we'll walk out on anything if we just, I can't take it anymore. Listen to me. You can take almost anything, even to the point of death, Jesus says. Paul the Apostle, writing about how miserable his life was at times, makes this statement. I have discovered that I can do all things through Christ who gives me strength. The message of Christianity is we never say, I can't take it anymore. Jesus said, to him who overcomes, I will allow him to sit with me in my throne. And you can't be an overcomer, people, if you don't have anything to overcome. That's why only married people get to heaven. (laughs) Just teasing. I can't take it, really. Yeah, I'm not an overcomer, I just can't take it. The Bible says that we are more than conquerors. Do you know what a conqueror was? Alexander the Great was a conqueror. 
Everywhere he went, he triumphed. He succeeded. The world shook in fear before him. In front of the Caesars, they were great conquerors. They conquered the world. Genghis Khan was a conqueror. Nothing was impossible to him. The Bible says, conqueror? <laughs> we're more than conquerors. I thought I'd get an amen out of that one, y'all. Drugs over there. We're more than conquerors. That's supposed to be our experience. Paul said, I am convinced that life, death, height, life, angels, principalities, nothing can ever separate us from the love of God. We can do all things through Christ who gives us strength. Everybody say, I can take it. I can take it. Every time the devil gets into your head and gets you discouraged, you need to tell him, I can take it. I can do all things through Christ. Don't ever let those words come out of your mouth. I can't take it anymore. That doesn't mean you tolerate all kinds of nonsense in your life. I got no problem with dealing with some misbehaving people in your life, be they husbands, wives, even in-laws. But our experience is never that we can't take it anymore because we have a God who gives us strength to take anything because we can do all things we are more than conquerors we are overcomers hallelujah let's pray father we thank you for your word and for your truth lord help us to realize number one that there is a great cost to following Christ it's not some light little side decision we make in life It's a decision. We let go and we let God. You trump everything. And help us, Lord, in our own thinking and in our own sense of morality. We live in a world that says, Lord, as long as there's love involved, anything goes. Open our eyes today. Open our ears. Help us to understand that human love never trumps God. And Father, always help us to realize that In the context of what we're being called to do, which is to lay down everything for you, that we can do all things through Christ. Help us never to get into a state of mind where we're defeated and we think life is just too much, that our relationships are too much, that our marriage is too much, that our in-laws are too much, that my job is too much, that the big fat pastor up there talking too much is too much. Help us, God, to always realize we're more than conquerors. Because in you, we can do anything. In Jesus' name we pray. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. Bless you. Amen.